welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Good morning. I want to take a moment before we get in the message and, and do a point of privilege on, on my behalf, uh, I guess, uh, and, and embarrass uh, Brandy. Uh, but uh, I, I want to thank God for Brandy. She does a lot of... Uh, uh, she did that video for us. She did all the stage set, been doing the stage sets for us. And, uh, you know, we don't say thank you enough, I think, uh, a lot of times. So, uh, uh, Brad, I'm thankful for your wife. She uh, makes my life easier in a lot of ways. Um, all through the month of December, we... We're focusing on the idea of invasion from the standpoint of, of God invading um, our world, our hearts, our lives, uh, by sending His Son Jesus into this world. Uh, and when we believe in Him by faith, He, he comes in here to live. He, he invades us. But uh, we got an alarm going on. <laughs> Thought we were having an invasion take place for a minute. Okay. But... Uh, but he invaded us not to stay inside of us. He, he didn't come into our hearts for us to just kind of keep it secret and he, you know, and, and, and Christ be in there. He, he wants to, he wants to get out. And that's where the, the idea of, of outflow or overflowing comes from in this series. That's why we're kind of continuing with the idea of invasion, but from the standpoint of recognizing that he wants to get out of our lives. Uh, as I alluded to earlier in the announcements, when we start our, our small groups in February, uh, if you sign up for a small group this time, first five weeks, uh, you'll be reading a book called Outflow uh, that will focus on doing exactly that, how to do life touches in people's uh, lives, to try and show them uh, the love of God. So that's what we're going to be focusing on. Matter of fact, for the first five weeks of this sermon series, before you start small groups, uh, I'm going to take kind of some ideas from the daily readings that you'll have uh, in the book Outflow and, uh, and, and make five sermons out of them. And then in the last four sermons, I'll kind of be dealing with each topic that you'll deal with in your small group as it happens. So you kind of get an introduction to what everything's going to be about uh, this month, and we'll start our, our small groups in, in February. As we think about uh, invasion outflow. I want you to kind of get in your mind the image of, of a four-tier or four-basin fountain, because that's going to be uh, kind of a running illustration for us uh, in in this series. The uh, very tip of the fountain where the water comes out. I, I want you to think of that as the Holy Spirit of God, because He's the one that is flowing into our lives. As, as believers. First basin down, <clears throat> I want you to think of that in terms of your life personally, your own personal relationship with God. So, you know, if you know Christ, you say the Holy Spirit is, is flowing in to your life to fill your life up. But He wants your life to overflow, and the second basin down represents your life relationally, as you would think about your family and friends. God, God wants to fill your life up, but He wants to overflow from your life into the life of your family and friends. 
The third basin down, I want you to think of that in the terms of your life locally. God wants to fill your life up, spill over in your families and friends, and spill over into your community. God fill you up and use you to touch lives in, in your community. And then the, the last basin down, I want you to think of your life in global terms, your life globally. In other words, God wants to fill your life up. He wants to fill the life of your family and friends up. He wants to fill your community up. He wants us to make an impact in this world for Him, for us to outflow into this world. Another way I want you to think of the uh, fountain would, would be in these terms. I want you to think of the top fountain, the one that represents your life. I want you to think that as, uh, think about that as our Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem was the place where uh, the Jews thought of meeting with God. So think about uh, that as the place where you meet with God. And the next level down, I want you to think about that in the terms of your Judea. You know, the people that are closest, the area closest uh, around you. And then the third tier down would be our Samaria. Going to people kind of outside our immediate area, by the way, who may not even be like us. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans very well because they uh, kind of looked down on them and, 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 and judged them. And yet God wants us to impact Samaria's in this day and time also. And then the bottom basin, I want you to think of it in terms of our world. Now, if, if you have read the Bible very much, when I said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and our world, to the uttermost part of the world, or to the ends of the earth, what passage of Scripture does that remind you of? Come on, people. Acts 1-8. Let's look at it. So when they come together... They ask him, the disciples are asking Jesus, Lord, will you restore at this time the kingdom of Israel? And it's kind of like maybe they're focused on prophecy, end times, maybe. Or maybe they're focused on politics a little bit, because in that day and time, Israel was underneath Roman rule. So maybe they're... Got a political discussion, you know, Lord, when are you going to change things politically? Or maybe it's just a power type issue because they're, they're saying, well, God, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? When are you going to put Israel back in a place of authority? So I want you to look at what Jesus says to them. Verse 7, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that your Father is fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So it's almost like Jesus is telling them as they are asking this question that could have been prophecy related or could have been kind of politically motivated or could have been talking about power and authority. Jesus more or less says, quit worrying about that. What I want you to do is go be my witnesses across this world. And you see, the reason we need to kind of learn a lesson from that is this. A lot of times, we get so focused on maybe end times or prophecy that we forget to be any good in the world that we're living in now. Or we can get so worried about 
political type things and political statements and all that, that we fail to remember the reason the church here is still here is to, to win a lost world of Jesus. Or we can get so concerned about authority and power and getting one our way and things like that that we fail to remember what God wants us to do is be his witnesses. Now, keep reading with me. Uh, and when he said these things, as they were looking on him, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, I'm guessing they're angels, and said to him, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, can I paraphrase that with a Parsons translation today? These disciples, these followers of Christ, they're standing looking into heaven, and these two angels show up and say, What are you doing? Quit standing and wasting time staring into heaven. He's already told you to go and be witnesses. Go and do it. Quit standing and staring. He wants you to go in outflow and overflow in this world. So our challenge as we start this series is for us to move beyond standing and staring into heaven. And, and us outflow as a church and outflow as an individual. Individuals trying to touch people's lives for Christ. If you're following along... And fill in the blanks. What we're talking about today is experiencing outflow, kind of the, the, some ways we can experience it. And if you're following along in, in, in the blanks, here's the, the first blank today. Inside the updates, there's kind of a guide where you can take some notes if you want to do that. The first thing I want you to notice today is this. Your, your life as a Christian is meant to overflow. In other words, if you know Christ is your Savior, God has a purpose and intent for your life. He wants your life to overflow. In Romans 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, as you have faith in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, about the only time today we're going to do some word studies is on this text here. But I want you to kind of understand exactly what's, what's being said. Literally in the Greek, when it says, may the God of hope, it literally says, may, and the reason I capitalize it is to emphasize what the Greek word really means. It's saying, may the God, may the exclusive God, because He's the only one, may, may the God of the hope. Because in, in the original manuscript, in the Greek, the, the word the is there also before hope. And it, it doesn't mean the way we think of the word the, that you just kind of read it and blow by it and not think about it. He, he's, he's saying, may, may the exclusive God of this exclusive hope. And hope's not the way we use it in our lingo and everything this day and time. Well, I hope that happens. I hope so. You know, it, it, instead, the word that's used here means to have a confident expectation. It's mean to anticipate something with pleasure. It's not something that you are worrying about whether it might happen. It's something that will happen, and with confidence you're looking forward to it. So may the God that's given you this confident expectation in your life through faith in Jesus, may He fill you 
That's a word over the last couple of years that's popped up every now and then, some sermon series. And more or less, you can get the idea of filling up a pothole, cramming a net full, leveling the road, supplying what's needed. He's saying, may that God fill you. May He supply what's needed, satisfy what's needed to kind of finish your life off. May He fill you with all joy, all cheerfulness. Now, there's a difference between joy and happiness. You understand that, right? If you're a Christian, you can have joy even when the world is falling down around you because you know Jesus. It doesn't mean you have to be happy about everything that's happening. May, may He fill you with all joy. And it's implied there, all peace. And that means to join together what was separated. In other words, we were separated from God by our sin. Through faith in Christ, we've been joined back together with God, those of us who know Him, those of us who are believers. So He's praying that the God of all hope would fill us with all joy and all peace as we have faith in Him and a fixed position in Him so that, here's the intent, so that you may overflow with hope. So, so that you may reach a point in your life that results in you superabounding with the confident expectation we talked about. With that type of hope. That, that God will fill you to the point that you have an excessive anticipation to the point that you have a super abundant hope. To, to a point, in other words, that you have to overflow. There's, there, there's no choice in the matter. You can't help but overflow. You saw in the, the video that, uh, that Brandy fixed for us that glass and it's being filled up. Uh, you've heard of the question before, is the glass half empty or is it half full as far as the perspective that you have? Well, in the terms of what we're talking about today, it, it should be neither one. God wants the glass to be so full that it overflows. God wants our hearts to be so full, our lives to be so full. That, that top tier, once it gets water to a certain point, that's representing your life and the Holy Spirit filling your life. Once it gets to a certain point, it can't help but overflow and go down to the next level, to your family and friends. And, and then to the next level, to your community. And the next level, to the world. God has a desire for us as Christians to overflow, uh, to have the, the kind of uh, spiritual life that He's put in us that cannot be contained, a life that overflows and touches the life of others. Now, now some of you are going to think, man, I wish I could. I wish I could have that kind of life. Because you see, some of you back up from trying to even do it because you think uh, that means you have to be the preacher or the missionary or something like that. But see, none of us have an excuse because there in Romans it also said that we're doing that by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the Greek word is dunamis, which we get our word dynamite or dynamo or dynamic from. It, it talks about a, just a miraculous power. You see, if God, God tells us, literally, we've already read it, the, the prayer from Paul in Romans is, may God fill us to the point of overflowing. May He fill us with joy and peace and hope to the point that it just superabounds, that it has to overflow. And before you say, oh, but I, I mean, I just wish that can happen. Well, it can happen because you see, it's not based upon your power or your ability. It's based upon the Holy Spirit of God in your life. 
If you know Christ is your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God is in your life. He's the one that empowers you to overflow. He's the one that will fill us if we'll allow Him to fill us. He's the, the dynamite, more or less, in our lives. To, to make changes, to, to prompt us to do something. Some of you have been around me several years, so you've probably heard me tell this story before. I'm not told I know quite in, in a while. But I heard a joke years ago uh, about this old man that was going fishing one day, and he had a really good friend that was a game warden. And uh, he invited him to go fishing with him, and the game warden kind of been asking him, well, how are you catching so many fish? Maybe he's a little bit suspicious, being an investigator maybe, or something like that. Anyway, they get out in the middle of the lake, and when they get out there, the, the old man shuts the boat off, and he reaches under the seat, and he comes out with a stick of dynamite, and he lights it, and he throws it over into the water, and it goes down, and the water blows up, and fish come floating up to the top all over the place. The game warden said, I knew it. I knew you was doing something to break the law. He, he said, you can't do that. That's illegal. You can't do that. The old man didn't say anything. Reached underneath the seat, got another piece of dynamite, threw it over in the lap of the game warden. And said, are you going to talk all day or are you going to fish? I'm assuming the game warden threw the dynamite in the water, aren't you? Well, the reason I tell that joke is this. I, I think maybe the Holy Spirit is telling us, are we going to talk all day or are we going to fish a little bit? Are we going to outflow? Are we going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to outflow in our lives? If you're a Christian, God desires to fill your life with all joy, with all cheerfulness, with all peace that comes from knowing that you've been restored to a relationship with Holy God through Christ. To the degree that you just can't keep it in your life, that you have to outflow into the lives of other people. God did not do what He's done in your life if you're a Christian for it just to stay in you. He wants to fill you to where it has to overflow and impact somebody else's life. Like dynamite blowing from your life and impacting the life of somebody else. Have you ever seen on, on the news or whatever where something explodes? People know it when it happens. Do you realize that? They're running the other way and everything else. Can I suggest to you, if we allow the Holy Spirit of God to fill us like He wants to fill us, and it's exploded from our lives like it should, other people will know it. They, they will experience it. They will, they will feel God moving through our lives to work in their lives. What I'm trying to tell you is this. The joy that you have from trusting Christ as your Savior is not for you alone. That joy that God's put in your life is for others. The, the peace that God has put there from you being at one with God through Jesus Christ is not yours alone. That peace is there in your life for you to also share with others. That, that hope, that confident expectation that God's placed in you through faith in Jesus Christ is not hope just for you. It's hope that God wants to outflow from our lives into the lives of others. Instead of your life being like a half full glass or a half empty glass, God wants your life to be so filled by Him that it overflows to others. Second main thing I want you to get this morning is, is this. Not only as a Christian is it meant, intended by God for you to overflow. Secondly, as a Christian, your life is meant to become a spring of eternal life. We might not view our lives like that at all because we're thinking, wow, that sounds like a pretty big order. 
You're telling me that God wants my life as a believer to become like a spring of eternal life. One day Jesus was standing at a well, engaged in a conversation with a woman. She was there that time of day. Jesus sent the disciples away to go get some food. And she was there that time of day, no one else around, because she didn't have the best reputation and didn't want the other women in the town to be around her. So Jesus engaged her in a conversation. Here's part of what's said. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And now Jesus is there talking with this lady and there's a literal physical well there that she's drawing water from. The, the word that's used talks about an artesian well, which is a, a, a well that's down in the ground. And Jesus points to this literal, physical well, and he tells her that if the people that just drink from this, you're going to get thirsty again. And you see, one of the problems in our world is that we have people all across this world that are drinking from the physical wells of this world, expecting to find fulfillment and satisfaction. It might be of possessions. If I can just own enough stuff, I'll be happy. Or, or it might be sex or drugs or, you know, whatever you want to come up with. There are a lot of wells that the world has to offer, and people are drinking from those physical wells, thinking that will make me happy. The problem is it gets old, and they want another drink from a different well. And another drink from a different well. That's why so many people are unfulfilled and unsatisfied in their life because they're, they're drinking at their own wells. Jesus, on the other hand, tells her that if you'll drink the water that I'm going to give you, and by the way, I think he's given an analogy of himself, if you'll drink by faith of me, you will never, ever, ever, ever get spiritually thirsty again. We need to drink from Jesus ourselves, but then Jesus went on and, and, and he implies something here. Not only can you have a, a satisfying life that begins by taking a drink of Jesus, that's what happens when you, when you first take a drink of Jesus, when you first believe in Him by faith, there's this satisfaction that begins by the fact that you've drinking from Christ. But Jesus also talks about a person who drinks of him becoming a spring of water. Because Jesus went on and he said, The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water well enough to eternal life. So a satisfying life begins by taking a drink of Jesus. But I'd like to submit to you this morning that a satisfying life is realized or continued or sustained by giving other people a drink of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? See, a lot of people take a drink of Jesus and they say, well, I'm on my way to heaven now. And then they never move beyond that. They trusted in Christ. They're looking forward to a day they'll be on the streets of gold. But they never move beyond that. They're not doing anything for Jesus. They're not doing anything to minister to somebody else. They're not doing anything to give somebody else a drink of water. And if that's all that we do is to take a drink of Jesus and never go beyond it to help others take a drink of Jesus, 
then that's why we're not experiencing fulfillment and satisfaction in our lives. Just you drinking from Jesus and then never doing anything to help someone else drink will not give you a sustained satisfaction or fulfillment. But, but when you take time to overflow, when you allow God to use you, when you allow Him to fill your life up, and it overflows from your life into the life of someone else, then that's where you can find fulfillment in your life. We, we can experience outflow by doing exactly that, by, by us allowing Christ to so fill us that we overflow into others. Most of you, uh, because we're kind of you know here in the mountains, close to the mountains, uh, most of you have been up in the woods before and you found a spring. And you've seen the, the head of a stream, more or less, and there's a spring there coming out of the ground. And that spring that comes out of the ground, it may stay contained there in a small area, kind of puddled up, but then because the, it continues to fill up and fill up and come out of the ground, that spring becomes a stream that's running through the woods. That's what God wants to happen in our lives, not for us just to be a, a self-contained spring. But there's this inflow of His life into our lives to where we outflow into the lives of others, to where we are like a stream flowing into somebody else's life. Matter of fact, I think I would argue with you that you will not experience sustained fulfillment and satisfaction in your life unless you are outflowing to others. Because anything less than that is just us living a selfish life. And a selfish life for a Christian will not experience the satisfaction that God desires for us. Remember in Isaiah 58, if you were here last week, we looked at Isaiah 58. In the background, Isaiah 58 to the whole chapter was more or less this. The, the, the Jews were going through their religious activity, fasting and things like that. And they're saying, God, you're not paying any attention to the fact that we're fasting. God's reply to them is, that's not the fast I called you to anyway. The fast that I want you to be involved with is feeding the hungry and, and taking care of the homeless and taking care of the poor. And he said, if you'll do those things, then, then... I'll do some things for you. I'll take care of you. Well, verse 11 of that chapter, we read it last week, says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. That's on the other side of us doing those things that He wants us to do. Of us feeding the hungry and taking care of the poor and the, and the homeless. And you shall be like a watered garden. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to water you. Your life will be, will be growing because you'll be like a watered garden. But he also says, back up please. Like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. He, he wants to water us, but he wants to use our lives to water other people. He, he wants us to outflow, to fill us up to the point that we outflow into other people's lives. Jesus one day was attending a worship service. It was a feast day, a special festival. And the Bible said on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, now stop, I'll keep reading it in a moment, but stop for a moment. 
Here's a background of what's happening at this feast day, this festival. The priests were taking these nice golden pitchers out of the temple and going out to the pool of Shalom and filling them up and carrying them in with a lot of ritual, a lot of religious ceremony into the temple and pouring it out on the altar in a way to where there would be rivulets of water flowing down. Now the reason they were doing that was kind of twofold. One, it commemorated when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they thought they were about to die for lack of water. God told Moses to go and take your staff and strike the rock and out of it will flow water. So they were doing it to commemorate that having taken place. But they're also doing it because that water was representative of the Holy Spirit of God. So they're in the midst of doing this ritual, this ceremony, doing this religious activity of taking these nice golden pitchers out in a real ceremonial, fancy way and bringing it into the temple and pouring the water out on the altar. In the middle of that... Jesus stands up and interrupts everything. He he stands up and cries out with a loud voice, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now imagine maybe the reaction of the people for a moment. The reaction of the priest because they're going through this nice religious ceremony and all of a sudden somebody has the audacity to stand up and with a loud voice cry out. For equivalent our day and time, it'd be like going maybe to the frozen chosen church somewhere in the middle of it. Somebody stands up and screams out and they turn around and look like, shut up, you're interrupting our, you know. And especially when you consider what Jesus says, more or less, Jesus was saying this, and they probably would have picked up on it because of what they were doing. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that you need to drink from to receive the Holy Spirit. And he's also saying, hey, I'm the rock. And the Bible tells us he's the rock. So Jesus interrupts all their religious activity, and and he screams that out. But notice what he continues to say. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus stands up and he says, Listen, take a drink from me, and you'll never ever be thirsty. Then he says, whoever believes in me, out of that person's heart, there's going to flow rivers of water. Now, this is Jesus saying that, okay? So I'm going to meddle just a little bit and make us apply it to our lives for a second. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? So if you know Christ as your Savior, if you believed in Him, Jesus said, out of your heart, there needs to be flowing rivers of living water. 
If you believed in Christ out of your life, out of your heart, there needs to be an outflow taking place. There needs to be an overflow taking place from our lives into the lives of others. Jesus promises whoever believes in Him would have those rivers of living water flowing from their hearts. Yes, we're to take a drink of Jesus, but then Jesus wants us to be a river that flows out to others. That's the reason we're doing this series called Outflow. Earlier, Jesus talked to the woman at the well about an artesian well that you had to dip the water out of. That's not what he's saying now. Now he's saying this. Rivers of water. Flowing. Powerful. Overflowing. Outflow from our lives. To touch the lives of others. As Christians, we're meant to be a channel. (laughs) for God to use to get His love to other people. If you're a Christian, your life is meant to overflow. If you're a Christian, your life should be like a river of eternal life to the lives of others. I'm going to close by telling you a couple stories uh, from the book Outflow that I've been reading. Uh, and both these stories are found in, in the first chapter. One's a, about a lady by the name of Theresa, and she had an eight-year-old son, Donnie. She was on welfare. Money had ran out for the month. They had nothing to eat. So she went on an expedition to look in all the cushions and the furniture in their little apartment and go out and look under the seats of her old beat-up Toyota car. And after she had gone on this expedition looking for loose change, she came up with $4.58. The next welfare check would not be there for 10 days. So she decides, well, you know, I can't pay all the other bills and things like that. We might as well, you know, go out big and we'll go to Taco Bell and get something to eat. So she loads her son up in the car with her $4.58 and she drives to the Taco Bell and she's driving through the drive-thru window in her beat-up, rough, idling old Toyota car. When she gets up to the drive-thru, there's a young guy there at the window waiting to wait on her, and man, he's got his smile just from ear to ear. And he says, today is your lucky day. And she's probably thinking, why? And he said, the car in front of you just paid for your whole meal. And they told me to give you this note. And on the note, it said something similar to this. We hope this small act of service shows you God's love in a practical way. And she thought to herself, that's not a small act of service to us, it's huge. 
And the next day, Theresa and Donnie went to the church for the first time in their lives. Another story about a young lady by the name of Lynn. I can remember her name. Except with an E on the end. Lynn was attending a Christmas party for the company that her husband worked for, and she met Gail, whose husband also worked for the same company. Gail was new in town. They just moved there. And as they talked, she found out that Gail had three small children, and the oldest one was three years old. And she was a stay-at-home mom. And Lynn was thinking to herself, I've got one four-year-old, and I know how stressed out I am. How in the world does she do it with three kids? I've joked about this with you before. You know, some of you that have one kid and it just destroys your life, and you can't even make it to church for six months because of the one kid with the diapers and everything else. Those of us that have had three children, we laugh at you behind your back, by the way. And Lynn had just kind of started getting serious about her relationship with God. And she was praying one night, and as she was near the end of her prayers, Gail came to mind. And she called Gail up, and, and she said, I don't know if you remember me, we met the other night, the da 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 you know, the small talk, and, and then she remembered who she was. And then she told her this, she said, I, I think your Heavenly Father want you to have a day off. And she was apprehensive. You can understand that. If you only met a person one time, you're going to let them come to your home, keep your kids. But they talked, and finally she was convinced, and they set the day that it would happen. So Lynn showed up at 9.30, and uh, Gail left at 9.30 that morning. And she must have really enjoyed her day off because she came back at 9.30 that night. And Leah took care of washing the clothes, the dishes, fixing supper for the family. And she comes back in at 9, 9.30 that night, and everything's already done. And she comes up to Leah again and said, Tell me again why you did this. And she said, Because your Heavenly Father loves you and wants you to have the day off. Gail was not used to having any time off, and by having that day off, she realized how emotionally smothered she was in her life. And she began to ask for help and found out people were willing, her husband and others were willing to help. Then a few weeks later, Gail called Lynn up again on the phone. And she said, will you tell me one more time why you did that? And Lynn told her, because your Heavenly Father wanted you to know that He loves you. And on the other side of the phone, Gail began to cry and weep. And she said, I want to know Him. And she prayed that night to receive Christ as her Savior. And that's not the end of the story. Weeks later, Gail had found a church and she started a ministry in that church to help single moms.
wonder what kind of stories we might have. I wonder what kind of stories might develop over the next weeks and months as we start to think about outflowing to somebody else. You see, I'm afraid, like I said earlier, I'm afraid sometimes you, you shy away from it because you think that means you have to know everything about the Bible or you know, you're going to have to be the preacher or the missionary or something like that. Now, now listen, all you have to do is something like I've just illustrated in those two stories. A little touch in somebody's life that will make them wonder, why in the world did you do that? I had another one this past week. Y'all going to have to ban me from going to the supermarket. I'm going to bankrupt us. I was there on Thursday. I just kind of stopped by the supermarket just real quick on the way home. And well, Thursday, I think it was Thursday. I think it was actually Friday. And I go in, I'm just kind of getting ready to get started because I'm just going to grab a few items. And, and honest, folks, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this sound super spiritual. But it's almost like God said, look here. And there's an elderly lady, probably 80s, maybe early 80s, late 70s. With her soul separating from her tennis shoes. And she's in the produce section, and the only thing she's looking at is the markdown produce, and she doesn't have a hand basket, and she doesn't have a cart that she's pushing. She's just getting what she can hold in her hands. And I watch her, and she goes to the soup and looks at the soup a little bit, and kind of get confirmation as I'm watching things that needed to do something. So I went up to the front. And bought a small gift card. And this time she wasn't ready to come up to the front. And God worked it out to where the same one was checking me out that checked me out a few weeks ago when I told you I did something for a guy that was there. And she had never seen anything like that before and it blew her away. But anyway, it worked out that she was the one checking me out. And I said, can I just write a note on the card? Can I give it to you? Would you mind to give it to her when she comes up? I'll point out to you who she is. And she agreed uh, to do that because I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. And, um, and, and I watched um, from the distance as this lady goes up with just a few marked down items. I think it was $4 and something. And she begins to check out, and the, the lady at the, the checkout, young lady, probably, I might even be 20 yet, probably a teenager, but she reaches down and, and pulls out the card and begins to smile and gives it to her. And the lady starts to look around, starts to ask, and, and say, well, who can I thank? And, and this young girl said, well, just be thankful for it in your prayers. And you have a good night. And the lady said, it's already a better night. Then I went up to check out in a few minutes and with the same checkout clerk and, and she told me, I said, I hope I didn't make you uncomfortable. She said no and and I said, Well, I saw the way she was shopping and everything. She said that's the way she does all the time. She comes in and never gets a cart and never gets a basket and she just gets a few marked down things she can carry. 
And it's always like $4 to $5. What I want for us and what I want for you is you start to look at your world differently. I didn't used to have that happen. But since I've kind of been reading this book and thinking about this series, that's what I look forward to. I don't even get my sermon done so I can go out and hang out at the supermarket or something. That's what I want our small groups to find fulfillment in. When we start our small groups, I want you guys to plan ministry and be involved in doing ministry. I want our church to do that. Not so people will think well of day three church. I want you to find fulfillment in your life. Can can you imagine waking up every day and every day that you wake up, you're excited about that day because you've got some anticipation there might be some opportunity that you get to touch somebody for Jesus. That you might go to work and get to help a friend with a marriage problem or the financial problem or maybe with their eternity. That you'll get to heaven one day and you'll see people there simply because you did a small act of kindness that opened their heart up to the possibility of God. That you'll get to hear one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. But it's not about you and it's not about me and it's not about day three because all we are is we're, we're just a container. Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and 7. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You see, that's what it's to be about. We're proclaiming Jesus. Not ourselves, not a church, it's Jesus. And being servants to other people for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's all we are is a pot. But we're God's pot. If you know Christ as your Savior. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's all we are is a jar of clay that God has inhabited because we have faith in Him. But even though that's all you are is a pot, don't sell it short because inside of you, God lives. And inside of you, God wants to get out. And He wants to outflow and overflow to the lives of others. I realize as we start out on this, it may sound like, well, it sounds like another church program to me. Well, I, I hope that's not what it sounds like because I don't want Invasion Outflow to be a, another church program. I want it to be a lifestyle. 
I want it to become such a lifestyle for you and for this church and for me that if I never say anything about it and the church never has a date and event for you to go do something, it doesn't matter because you're doing it anyway because it's part of your life. Trying to find somebody else to touch for Jesus. The band's going to come out and they're going to sing an invitation. And while I primarily talk to Christians, to the church today about our need to outflow, you may be somebody like the people in the two stories I told. Maybe you're wondering about if there is such a God or you're going through really bad circumstances in your life and you thought God doesn't really care. Well, let me tell you something. Whether anybody ever buys your lunch at a drive-thru or anybody ever comes to keep your children... I can guarantee you that God loves you and He cares for you because He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. And if you've been a little bit hesitant, standoffish, wondering about if there's a God, there He is and He loves you. And I want to invite you in just a moment to come forward if you'd like to find out more about trusting in Him. And if you already know Him, I hope all through this invitation you'll be very reflective and, and asking God, say, God, fill me. Fill me so I can outflow. Fill my life so I can overflow in the life of my family and my friends. So I can overflow into my community. So I can overflow into my world. Let's pray. Father, God, fill us up. Cause us to overflow. Cause us to have an outflow of, of your love to people around us. God, change the way we think. Change the way we look at people. Open our eyes to the needs that are around us. And help us to touch those lives in a way that people know that you're real. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. As the band plays, if you've got questions or concerns about your eternity, whether you've ever trusted in Christ, I invite you please to come. And I invite believers to be praying for anyone here that may not know Christ. But also especially want you, if you know Christ, to ask yourself, is there a river flowing? Jesus said, those that believe in me, out of their hearts going to flow a river. Is that river flowing? Are you letting Him fill you up to where it's flowing? If not, ask Him to help you do that. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.